You are listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Episode 83, I believe. With confidence. With confidence. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you are listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast. My name's Andrew, and with me as always is Corland. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Welcome back, everyone. I was going to say, with us as always. Oh, People with were us starting as often as possible. As often as possible with the realities of family and work, Cameron. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> the three amigos back together again. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you are new to the podcast, uh, like the intro said, we talk about theology, uh, what it means to follow Jesus, the Bible. Um, lots of times, we'll get questions in from people who go to our church or people in the community and we try and answer them. But this week we had no questions. So we're going to do something a little bit different, uh, this morning. Uh, each of us have brought either a question or a topic or something that we've been thinking about or wrestling with. And then we are going to talk about it and see where it goes. So, some of you might be like, this is awesome. This is really cool. And some of you might be like, what? I'm going to send a question in because this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> they need more structure. So we predetermined the order of who's going to go first. And by we, I mean I in my head. So Corland, <laughs> what's going on? What did you, what do you bring into the table? Well, as, as I was thinking about random things this week, as I do, anyone who knows me well knows that I'm always just thinking about random things. Uh, one of the things that came to mind is as a Christian, often you'll hear uh, when you're talking to other Christians, it's it's pretty common, I find anyways, that Christians will bring up one Christian leader and they will consistently quote that one Christian leader. Are you This is mine. Is it actually? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyways, continue. Wait, so you're ripping off the question I Yeah, said? totally. Okay. Continue. Right. Okay, so we bring up one Christian leader. And and we consistently bring him up. So the the classic example is like John MacArthur, or for myself lately, I have really enjoyed Tim Mackey's teaching. Or, you know, some people uh, get upset when Andrew isn't preaching at church because oh. they come to church for Andrew, right? Like there's, well, rightly it's, so. There's, <laughs> there's stuff like that. So the question that I was asking is, is uh, are you a fanboy or fangirl? And if... Like, as Christians, where do we draw those lines of, like, actually just finding good, solid biblical teaching and enjoying it and consuming it to, to learn versus where do you actually, like, how can you tell if it's too much? Like, how do you know where are those boundaries as Christians? Yeah, so do you guys, you just mentioned yours. You're kind of on a Tim Mackey Bible Project kick. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite? I actually don't. Yeah, that you would just con constantly go Have back to. Have you in the past, though? Where you're like, man, John Piper, I'm just going to go back to him because he's just great. Or boom. No, I haven't. I've been in um, seminary now for three years, and I every single uh, semester you're reading different stuff. Yes. Hardly <clears throat> hardly any one is repeats. And I actually heard a um, a professor shared something along those lines saying like, he, being a, a biblical scholar in um, Israel history, said, no one's got it all right. Yes. Yep. We're all just yep. very broken people. A yep. lot of people have something's, something's pretty right and even seasons of their life when they're really on point about a certain subject, but yep. no one has a complete view yep. other than Jesus yep. of, of the gospel. 
And so that's why we're going to bounce around a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got a good number of authors or pastors that I really like that I read or listen to. Uh, some people always say, "Oh, well, Andrew's favorite is Tim Keller." Um, and yeah, I like I have a lot of his books. I really appreciate his um, teaching, but I also read, you know, a lot of other different people and yeah. listen to different sermons from different uh, pastors. And I do think um, it's healthy to do that, to go, uh, well, what does so-and-so have to say? And what does so-and-so have to say? And well, and, and I also think it's healthy to listen and read people that you disagree with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with like, I only listen to one person and he or she is the scholar or the whatever that they are right about everything. I'm like, that's super dangerous yep. Yep. because like you just said, like no one, no one has it figured out 100%. So I'll give you an example. Like just recently, uh, maybe it was a few weeks before we went on vacation. So, you know, two months ago, a uh, brand new lady came to church and she, I haven't seen her since, but it was kind of like, yeah, first time here. And we started talking, oh, cool, great. And uh, essentially her comment was like, yeah, I only listen to John MacArthur because he's like the only faithful preacher. And it was just kind of like, okay, great. You can like John MacArthur. I agree. He he is a really good faithful preacher. That's great. But to say that like only he has it figured out, I'm like, yeah, that's where it kind of gets a little bit iffy. And then you never, you never, I, I hate the word expose, but you never expose yourself to other minds and other yeah. people who have thought, oh, actually, like I, I listen to people that completely disagree on stuff. Yeah. And to get kind of both perspectives and I'm reading, I'm like halfway through a book right now uh, from a guy who's an egalitarian scholar. So, you know, the egalitarian complementarian women in ministry debate. Yeah. And I'm reading a book from a guy that I, I disagree with a lot of his points. Yeah. But I'm reading it and it's kind of like, well, okay, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Interesting. Like, yeah. But if it was just like, nope, I'm only going to go to my trusted source and he says this and okay, that must be the truth. Yeah. That's where it kind of gets. Yeah. I think as Christians, as humans, it's really easy once you find a source to want to go back to it. I mean, why do we dig wells where there's water, right? It's so that we know where there is a source of something trustworthy, right? So I think when you find a, a biblical source or something that you really enjoy listening to, of course, you're going to go back to it, right? Why else do we subscribe to podcasts that we enjoy and whatnot? That's, I think it's in our nature to do stuff like that. I think it's important when you find a, a scholar like that, that they, uh, that you do expose yourself to other scholars though. So something I've appreciated, uh, in the, in my little Bible project kick and in my, uh, even when I was listening to a lot of Michael Heiser stuff, Dr. Michael Heiser, is that they often pull in other scholars. Now, sometimes, and more often than not, those scholars agree usually <laughs> have points that agree with them, but they are pulling in other scholars. Yeah. It's not just them saying this is the truth. They're like, this is peer-reviewed, right? Like, this is stuff that has been passed around and, and has been agreed upon. Uh, but yeah, I fully agree. I think if if as Christians we just sit and say that this is the most accurate biblical teacher of our time, dangerous territory to be in yeah and it's interesting like even paul right yeah in first corinthians you would think about the early church i mean paul i mean he's he's pretty much got it figured out right (laughs) i mean he's paul yeah (laughs) yeah but he writes in first corinthians you know um 
I appeal to you, brothers, as chapter one, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you, you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ, or I follow John MacArthur, or I follow John Piper. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And he goes, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. And so then he just kind of goes on. And then later on in, in a few chapters, he says, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God's the one who gives the growth. So even in the early yeah. church, there was people like, hey, did you have you uh, read Apollos' new book or whatever, right? Yep. Like, yep. <laughs> he's yep. the best. And I love that Paul's like, why are you guys doing this? Who are we? Like, we're nobodies, yeah. right? So it's not a new issue that we glom on to yeah. like teachers we really, really like. Um, I think it, it also <clears throat> limits your ability to see a new perspective or it to, mm -hmm. to like f not find fault, but recognize um, mm. a difference of opinion because if the speaker that you have calling on to is um, beyond repro reproach, like they're just, you, they can have no fault. Yes. Like what about until they do? I mean, I remember years ago, really being into some of Andy Stanley's early teachings and, and there's some really great material. Even Rob Bell, 15 years ago, put yes. out some really solid stuff. Totally. And then took a bit of a, a dive. But anyone <clears throat> that could appreciate that and not idolize them as this, you know, this prophet that we can never question was able to say, well, that's unfortunate. That's yeah. probably won't buy another book, but the, the last three are pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't remove that truth. Uh, it just that's displays really, the humanness of the person. That's a. am glad you brought that up. That's yep. a really good point because it's like if all of your hope is in so-and-so's teaching. Yeah. Bill if, Heibel. What? Bill Heibel. Well, yeah. So, ex or yeah, ex that's a great example. I loved uh, Mark Driscoll's books. And then he took a terrible dive in ministry and was you know, a greedy man and angry and abusive to people and blah, 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 blah. But if my, like, if I've put him on a pedestal and yep. saying like what he says is the gospel truth and he has no, then when that happens, it can really mess with your faith mm -hmm. even. Cause you're going yeah. like, wait a second, uh, Ravi Zacharias. Yep. Like there's an example of, uh, he's a, he was a brilliant man. Yeah. And a lot of people went like, I listened to him for everything. And then stuff comes out that you go, oh my goodness. Like he was doing yeah. terrible, terrible things. And for some people it shook their faith because they went, well, if he could, right. And and so I'm I glad you brought that up. Question, like, am I saved because he had some uh, yeah. sin that was hidden? Yeah. Am I saved? Is the gospel that I've been um, yep. g shared with? false even closer to home like one of the first churches that i worked at uh cornerstone neighborhood church uh started and then within four or five months it came out that the lead uh pastor was having an, an affair and i remember having a conversation with one lady in the church because like he had brought her to the faith by uh -huh. means of, you know what i mean he had like introduced her to jesus yeah she believed the god all through him he was discipling her and for her 
it was kind of like, I don't know if I can actually be a Christian anymore. Yeah. Cause like my, my all, I put him on this pedestal. Like this yeah. guy is amazing and he loves Jesus and he discipled me. And now it's like, Oh, was it all a lie? So I think right. it's such a good, um, it's like a safety thing to go. Like, I'm not going to put my hope in yeah. people because they will inevitably let you down. Yeah. And, and it, you can still enjoy their man. They're brilliant and they're such yeah. good teachers, but they're not the be all and end. They all. are human. Yeah. It totally. is the work of the Holy spirit that is within us that actually produces our quote unquote Christianity. Right. Yeah. It, it is the Holy spirit alone. And we are simply vessels that, you know, continue to proclaim it. Right. I think that's on a bit of a side note. I think it's why it's really important as Christian leaders to be honest about our brokenness with people nah. around us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Cause <laughs> Like, I don't know. I I can't imagine what would it have looked like had Ravi Zacharias been honest about those things and had been working through those things. He may not have held the position that he held. Yeah. But I think that it, you know, I I think I find it much easier to trust uh, Christian leaders who are open and honest about their struggles with sin than ones who just tried to teach you not to sin, if that makes sense. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh good topic that you brought up you stole mine because i stole i was trying to steal yours because last night i was like oh yeah shoot oh yeah corlin brought up that idea maybe i'll take that one <laughs> there you go i got another one you can steal that one if you want okay cameron all right um it's been kind of a wild couple weeks my uh, my folks were up and um right we were I was helping my mom through some paperwork. She, um, her and her family, my aunts and uncles were having to submit some information about their childhood, about um, being sent to residential day school, hmm. um, shipped to, to school, and they were having to fill out some forms. And, and it brought back some memories because over the last couple of years through uh, seminary, um, I've been able to learn a lot about... Um, you know where I'm from, and 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 uh, who my family was, and my grandparents were both sent to residential school, so obviously came back to a community that was different. Hmm. And so I remember for one project, I interviewed a woman in her 60s from the reserve that I'm from that they moved. Yeah, and I interviewed my aunt, who's uh, in her early 70s, and just kind of getting two glimpses of two women. One who moved and grew up in that culture and one who didn't. My aunt grew up in a in a Western culture having been removed from her culture. And she said something quite profound to me. She said, um, you know, we, had, we created a new culture. We knew who we were. We adapted. We were resilient and we created a new culture and it was, and we were strong and, and, it, and it turned out fine. And I, I wrestled with that for a long time because there's this... Um, there was this kind of pressure that because I'm indigenous, should I then go now and learn how to hit a drum or learn how right. to be a, a more a part of that culture? And I remember thinking, no, I don't desire to personally. Sure. And then I, I started um, having conversations around, okay, well, why don't you desire to? And I'm like, well, I feel content with who I am and, and the, the life that I have and the culture that I've lived in. I'm still wrestling with a lot of what was or could have been. But then it made me start thinking about 
Christians today and even some of my own memories of, of coming to Christ and, and um, those who led me there were not Jewish people, but they, I remember being invited to, to seders and all sorts of Jewish ceremony. Oh, really? In the church you grew up in? Uh, not so much. The, not the church I grew up in when I kind of came back to Christ, like oh, okay. about you know, 15, 20 years ago in that window, just with some real passionate, charismatic people who were trying to live as though, though they were Jewish and, and try to really take on a lot of cultural <laughs> items and, yeah. and practices from a people group that were that was not theirs. And I started thinking and just dancing around the idea of like, uh, embrace your, your, your Gentileness. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally. reminded of Galatians where it's like, there is no Jew, no Greek. Like we, we are this, the idea of this body of Christ. And hmm. when I think about that, there's actually more freedom in saying I'm okay with who I am today. And I don't feel pressured to have to find out what Jewish life was like and try to, try to replicate that in my life. So, and I'm mm. not talking about um, biblical instruction for how to live. I'm sure. talking about cultural stuff. Cultural like customs and yeah. customs that we are. I mean, unless you are Jewish, we're not Jews. Yeah. Um, Jesus was. So there's so much of him that we are to model, but we don't dress like him. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't wear the same footwear. We don't, wash each other's feet when we go to each other's homes like there's things that are just very different yeah and the parallels between my own life and looking <coughs> at indigenous heritage and roots like i'm very interested in and i and what the difference is uh, in, in the other narrative i would be jewish you know what i mean i am indigenous i just don't feel that personal um draw towards yeah. um you know, finding those roots. But like if Corlin came tomorrow wearing some indigenous regalia, cause you know, he wants to get more in touch with the, the area where we live in tree D eight, I'd be like, why man? Like, yeah, you're not indigenous. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think we see that far too often in church culture where, and I don't even know how to, you know, I don't want to, you want to, you want to step on toes. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just remember a season in the the church I did grow up in where it was like, you know, Israeli flags everywhere, and it was mm. of course very. There was a, a yeah. season in charismatic church culture where it was like, we have to get all the Jews back to Israel. It's like oh, yeah. I remember being as a kid, like, what if they don't want to go? Like, what do you, what Tough. do you mean? We, gotta, we have to get them yeah. all back because of uh, the Left Behind series, and we have to make sure that there's enough people there to defend. Like, it was some weird theology happening. Yeah. Yep. But we see just remnants of it today. And um, that's such a good because, yeah, you read a, you read about our Bibles that, yes, it's the word of God and it's timeless and it's for us today. Yep. But it was written 2000 ish. The New Testament I'm talking about written 2000 years ago. Yeah. Written by Jewish people in an ancient culture with ancient customs and practices and Paul, when he writes the new Testament and Peter, they're not thinking like, you know, sometimes we think like they sat down and they knew I am writing the timeless word of God. Paul's writing his friends in in Corinth to tell them Mm -hmm. like, Hey, what was it you that told me the, the structure of every Paul's every letter of Paul, every Hey guys, I love you. What in the name of all that is holy are you doing? (laughs) Stop Stop it. it. (laughs) But like, Timothy so, 
it, then it's so interesting when we come and and we we read the Bible, believing that it's God's word and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but you're kind of wading into a culture that is not ours. And uh, this this comes up a lot when you think about end time stuff because people go, well, we're just going to read the Bible literally, and I'm like, okay, but that's super dangerous because. Sure. You know, I don't think it's there's certain parts that it's like, but those are metaphors. Those are similes. Those are like symbols. Those are you're not you're not meant to read it in a literal, straightforward sense. But yeah. we do that with cultural things. Right. Well, it's God's word. So it says do this and this and this. So I'm just going to read it literally. And you go, no, but what are the principles that are timeless? And what are like, okay, that makes no sense culturally because we're not. Jews living in the first century. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. How do you guys do that? Like I, we may have talked about this before, but I just find it fascinating because I think we do. And I think that it's, <clears throat> I don't know. I think in some ways it's really harmless unless it's causing you pressure and it's causing you anxiety about having to be mindful all the time of ensuring that you're following these. Yeah. These, unless it becomes law. Yeah, because that's really the um, you know that's really the crux of that Galatians three twenty five. Um, you know they they're just saying um, in verse twenty eight, Paul was essentially saying uh, believers who have been baptized have participated. Or where is it? See, oh, Paul emphasizes that you know the standard categories that often divide people: race, social status, gender, customs do not apply to those who are in Christ. It is not it is not that such criteria cease to exist, rather that these distinctions are not grounds for exclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you want to uh, adopt uh, a custom, fine. But if you ever feel like it does, it's becoming lawful in your family or you're feeling a pressure and anxiety from it, like you should probably really evaluate that. But more so, um, there's a s- cultural sensitivity that we often teach just in our cultural awareness courses where it's like there could be individuals from a culture that may take offense to the you to you uh, an outsider appropriating their culture we see that most often with in our community and i guess what's most relative to our to our region is um you know people wearing indigenous clothing it's like well why well i'm just trying to be inclusive which is fine but if it's ever like i have to for some reason that's yeah. that's the difference and i think that's just a self-evaluation that needs to happen mm-hmm. yeah Corlin, anything you want to yeah i think that uh the things that the ancient writers of the bible did in their cultures i think that to an extent those do affect the quote-unquote christian culture of today uh because there are timeless principles that we will pull from that and and those principles will make us look different than the rest of the world but i don't think that it's a matter of of ritualistic uh practices that do that i think it should be a matter of the heart so whether Hmm. whether you're talking about a topic like head coverings well i mean that's not within our culture but the matter of the heart of of wanting to be modest and not distracting people while they're worshiping God, that is something that we should do as followers of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So it will look different than maybe other ways that people worship, right? Uh, 
there's a whole bunch of other stuff the the uh willingness to give right sell all you have and give to the poor well we might not see everybody in the church giving but we should know the church by their willingness to give right Mm -hmm. their their willingness to say well that's okay that I like, I don't need this here. You have it. Mm -hmm. And I know there's other, other cultures that have these things too, but the, with all of the stuff that, that Jesus taught and what, what Christianity is at its core is a change of heart to follow the one true God of the universe. Right. So that means it will look different than other things coming from those principles. Right. But like you said, if they become law that you must practice these things in a certain way before you go to church or you're not a follower of Christ, then you've missed the point. Mm-hmm. Then, then I just yeah, and I think there's so many better cultural. Um, there's so many better things to adopt f- uh, from Eastern culture, like an open door. You know, eating with strangers, just always making extra food, and then inviting people to dinner every day. Like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's elements of the <laughs> Eastern culture that in the West we just don't do because it's inconvenient. It it kind of mm-hmm. brushes against our I don't know, our desired isolation and just our little family unit. Do you think it's like, I don't know, easier to just then look at a cultural custom from the Middle East that's written about in the Bible and just kind of go check rather. So I'll give you an example. So it's like, okay, yeah, I can read about head coverings. Sure. I'll put a scarf on my head for an hour on Sunday mornings, but then also take bikini photos on my Instagram account. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, maybe actually modesty and like respecting your husband, maybe don't do the second thing. Sure. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. but, but it's, do you think sometimes it's because it's like, it's just easier to do the thing that I can do that for an hour yep. when like the heart issue of following Jesus is, uh, you know, yeah, I want to, I don't want to distract people. I want to be modest. I want to. Guys and girls, yep. I know sometimes yep. when I take yep. like six pack pictures on Instagram, <laughs> it's a huge stumbling block for people. So I'm trying to stop doing that, <laughs> but I don't want to pick on just the yep. the women. Right. Yep. But like, so I think sometimes we do that where it's like, well, I can like, I can check the box on this cultural thing Yeah. where in reality it's like, okay, is it the heart issue? And maybe it is, maybe someone wearing a head covering on Sundays is a heart thing and like, okay, fine. It doesn't really bother me. But what bothers me is when it's like I can just look at, right? So I use the Sabbath as an example. Like for a lot of Christians, no, we're commanded. I do no work on Sunday. We're on like, well, already you're not actually obeying the Bible. Sabbath is Saturday. <laughs> but it's kind of like a check, right? And I remember I, I've used this example before. I had a conversation with a guy that he was adamant. No, the Sabbath is in the new covenant. We must not do any work. And I'm like, okay, what if you're... I think his father-in-law was a farmer. What if your your father-in-law is is doing farm work on a Sunday and his tractor gets stuck in the mud and he calls you for help? Can you come help me or else I'm not going to be able to finish? He said, nope, I would not help him. It's the Sabbath. I'm like, but you're like then not honoring your father. You are not helping people. I'm like, do you see the, so sometimes I think it's like a check, kept the Sabbath when I'm like, but you're missing out on all these yeah. ways to show Jesus to people. Like, yeah. So I don't know. It's such an interesting, that's what makes the Bible so fascinating is that you're reading an ancient text yeah. that also applies to us today. And I think we get into trouble when it's just kind of like, Nope, black and white. It says, do that, do that. And I'm like, well, 
I agree that we obey it, but like, but what is, what's Paul getting at when he writes about certain yeah. cultural things? There's a lot of um, Sikhs that I worked with and it was funny. One girl I was talking to, she didn't wear a head covering and then she started wearing one. I'm like, oh, mom and dad visiting. She's like, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for a lot of the the young folks I've spoke with, um, you know, in the Punjab region, obviously head coverings are for men and women. Yeah. And uh, almost oh, men wear them too. Uh, turbans, yeah. They should. Oh, sorry, of course. And if they're not, <laughs> then uh, they're not, you know, fo- uh, following their their ceremonial uh, religious practices. Sure. But when mom and dad visit from India, you better bet they're all wearing them, and they they start wrapping them sooner. It was actually at the the Northern Center of Hope where the manager or the supervisor at the time uh that's interesting we started wrapping up again i'm like oh yeah. mom's coming yep yeah <laughs> um yeah. but it's funny because they are just doing it because they they have to but it's their culture never skipped a beat they never stopped wearing head yes. coverings for the last three thousand years so yeah. that's very much a cultural norm for them much like some folks that live north of town who do wear long skirts and pants and head coverings that their culture never stopped doing that yeah. right. since the beginning. So it's that is a very culturally relative element for them today. Um, yeah, but we, we've already covered head coverings in another episode. We did. Yeah, listen back because it's great. Yeah. John MacArthur might disagree. Yeah, they don't wear head coverings in his church. Yeah. So it's interesting. He's yeah. the know-all and be-all, but uh, anyways. Yeah. Um, okay, I have one to end my contribution um says the same thing as me earlier yeah so <laughs> when you like how do you fanboy over a th- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did we already talk about that <laughs> um as christians and maybe you guys can share from your own lives how do we it's a two-part question how do we give criticism appropriately Ooh. and how do we then as christians what are ways that we actually like receive criticism in a healthy appropriate way so maybe i'll give some background like um well i'm yeah if you're a christian have you ever received criticism yeah (laughs) but i think um we obviously all have differences of opinion on everything um pineapple on pizza well yeah but let's talk about more serious (laughs) things than that but like yeah if corlin was doing something that i'm like I think he's doing something wrong or it bothers me. Like, how do I, in a Christian loving way, bring criticism to you? And how do you receive it in a way that's, you know, God honoring? I don't know. Have you guys ever had to go and, okay, I got to go give. And criticism is such a, I don't know, loaded word. Cause we're like, well, you should never criticize anyone in our culture. Just let them be. But as you know, Husbands, fathers, employees, employers, have you ever had to go and give healthy criticism to someone? And I don't know, how did you do it? Was it uh, done in a healthy way or do you have a story of it done in a really bad way? <laughs> That's a good question. Come back to me in 30 years. I'll see if I can answer it. But... Yeah. So I'll give you a, an example. As like a pastor and a preacher, I'm, you're constantly criticized Yeah. from... I've been, you know, I can't believe you didn't wear a collared shirt on Sunday to I'm offended by what you said here and there. Um, The reason this is kind of, you know, bubbling in my brain a little bit is um, 
It's not because it's like, oh, poor me, um, because it's just part of the job. Yeah. But it was interesting in the, in the sermon series where we were talking about marriage. I don't know if you remember that. I basically made the statement like, um, you know, when when other people criticize or bring things to me, I can't remember how I worded it, but it sounded like I said, I, I don't really care. But when my wife criticizes me or brings me, I listen a lot more because it, and I, the whole point I was getting at was like, it's the proximity of relationship. Like my sure. wife's words carry yeah. a little bit more weight than, yeah. but it's interesting because I've heard some feedback and here's what's frustrating is, and then maybe this will get into how do you properly criticize people Yeah, is that I haven't heard it to me directly. I've just heard it from. Yeah. So it doesn't exist. Did you know, <laughs> do you know that so-and-so was mad about the, but basically what came out was like, I can't believe Andrew says that he doesn't listen to anybody else and he doesn't care what anyone else says, which I was like, okay, I, fair. I, I guess you could sure. get that, but that's yeah. not really what I was getting at. It was yeah. more like when someone says to me, I'm upset because you didn't wear a collared shirt on Sunday. I really don't care about that. But I care if someone's like, hey, would you th- care if Molly said that? Though? Uh, yeah, I would probably listen and go, oh, really? Like, you think I should? Like, yeah. Because I like it mean it carries more weight yeah. than like someone who's like, yeah. you should wear a collared shirt. Okay. Like whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just rambling, but no. Yeah. How do, how do we as Christians one, I think it's like to, to ask yourself before you go to someone, is this something that like actually matters? Yeah. Do I have a relationship with the person? Yeah. For me to go to Corland and, well, I'll bring it up when we credit when we un, when we tore apart your sermon. Yep. Uh, one of David's comments was like, "I found your shoes really distracting." They yep. were just, and I, and we're like, "Can that's such a dumb thing?" But it's David. Yeah. And you have a, a relationship with yep. him, and you kind of went, "Okay, I can see if it was some and, random and even, person." Even, <laughs> even if I don't like, I don't know All David. Those brown high tops. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. yes. Those are the that's ones. It. Stupid uh, shoes. Those even even though I didn't have a like I don't haven't known David for a super long time, so it's not like we're like super buddy buddy, but I know that you know him, Andrew, and I know that you trust him. So then there's elements there where it you know And there's some positional authority and yeah. some respect that is given on yeah. behalf of you to someone who's been you've given permission to critique. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And that's the difference is the the relationship factor, because yes, there's your wife and most people have a few close friends where it's like you can put you in check. I have a buddy that I text with almost every day. And, you know, in my life, when I've done some stupid things, he'd be like, smarten up. And then, like, I'll, you know, I'll even text him once in a while. Go home, man. I am home. Good. <laughs> like, stay yeah, home yeah, with yeah, your wife yeah, and your yeah, family, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> but um, that is done in relationship. And I, and I have experienced the same thing even in the last year on the elder board, hearing about, you know, a disruption or uh, someone who's felt um, that, yeah, maybe they weren't heard or something. A decision mm-hmm. was made that they didn't agree with. It's really difficult to give it that level of attention and respect when it's not direct, when, when it's indirect or sure. passive. So while that feeling may be valid, you're not being given the opportunity to respond respectfully. You're left with nothing other than, well, it's, you know, okay, it's pretty difficult to address a vague half-complaint third-party uh, received. Th- so there's that, but... As a Christian giving uh, criticism, uh, you know, I am uh, an HR manager, so I sit almost every week with uh, in, in different yes, scenarios. Right. And we have staff at the city who are Christians, and they 
um, they give difficult information a lot more gentle mm. and with a lot mm. more respect. Uh, so when a yeah. manager's sitting with a staff member, it's like, you know, we're going to get through this. This is something that can't happen again, but we value who you are. Yeah. yeah. And so that res- that criticism or the, that difficult information is shared from a position of you are a valuable person, mm-hmm. but this action we're going to address and it's going to be corrected. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you see the opposite where someone's not a non-Christian and it's a little more cold, a little more empty and Interesting. just more, more factual. But then the recipient, we've had staff who've been given information as a Christian and you could see them reflecting. You can see them navigating some of what they did and, and being uh, remorseful. Yeah. And so I think as Christians, yeah, we have to, we have to, we have to listen to a degree, but, I'm with you in that, you know, if I, if a person I've never met before criticizes, it's like, all right, I might think about it for 38 seconds and then walk away. Or I might say like, <laughs> you know, you don't have that. And that's the mistake that we make in that, you know, hold your brothers accountable. You're not, you know, we're, we're in the same family, but we have no relationship. I don't give permission for just blanket accountability across hundreds of people. Yeah. We have a network of people within our own core who, yeah, we do give permission to hold accountable. And yeah. Yeah, I think I definitely struggle more with uh, giving criticism than I do receiving it. Okay, yeah. Uh, and the reason I say that, like, I, I'm a relatively, I and I work on this constantly and, and have, you know, uh, it sounds weird, but also true, worked on it, you know, trying to ask Jesus that he'd help me with this. Uh, I'm a relatively anxious person. So when someone comes up to me and says something that critiques or criticizes what I've done, I can spend up to days being like, did I actually do that? that Like, Oh my goodness. Like, what do I do? I try, like, obviously I try (laughs) to mitigate that because being anxious is not helpful at all. Yeah. Um, but I find I spend way more time thinking about how I would talk to someone about something than I do if someone has talked to me about it. Cause if, if someone that I trust has talked to me about it, then usually I try to actually consider what they are saying. Yeah. Right. Cause they get that bird's eye view, so to speak of yeah. my life. They see things from the outside and it's like, your actions look like this. What does your heart do about that? Right. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, whereas when I go to give criticism because communicating as human beings is such, we're, we're not good <laughs> at it. I, I really wrestle with trying to make sure that the words are chosen correctly, that it's thought through, that it's not just a perception thing that I am perceiving this about this person simply based on my life experience and what I'm seeing rather than actual factual things, right? Because uh, your emotions play into how you interact with other people on a daily basis. So if you're having a terrible day, someone's yeah. minor action might feel like a really big thing to you. And it might be worth bringing up being like, hey, I was having a bad day. Like this type of thing is not conducive to our relationship. Yeah. But it might also be something that you can look at and say, I, I don't know. So I, I find giving critique much harder. Something that I do find helpful with critiquing, though, or, or giving criticism Something, a tool that I found helpful is trying to present it from the side of, I, I'm not sure where your heart was at when you did this, but this within my life, this is how I saw it. So I don't know how other people will have saw it then, but this mm-hmm. is something you should be aware of is mm-hmm. that people might have seen it in this way. What do you think? Where should, like, what can be done about that type thing? Yeah. Obviously that varies with degree of severity of the action that yeah. had happened, but yeah, yeah. I, th- I think a couple of things in the idea of giving like I 
in giving criticism, one, if it's like constructive criticism, great. If it's just destructive, then don't give yeah. it. Just yeah. keep your mouth shut kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So to ask before I go, okay, is what I'm bothered by this person, is it actually like a sin thing? Is, is it, it any of my business? Is it any of, well, yeah. yeah. Or is it just like a preference thing that bothers me that has nothing to do with anything, right? So like, um, I'll just give church examples because that's my world. But like, okay, I'm bothered that we sang this song on Sunday. Okay, well, am I bothered because it's like heresy? Right. Or am I bothered because musically I don't like it? Well, then... Uh, yeah, you can still, you can give your opinion, but you can, you just gotta, it's like before you go to someone to ask yourself those questions. Okay. In this song that we sang, it said that like Jesus isn't Lord. Okay. I need to go talk to that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And then, um, yeah, we use the Matthew 18 that, you know, if your brother sins against you, I love that it says like, go to him between you and, and, and him, mm-hmm. right? Not you and somebody else. So yeah, go as hard as it is, go to that person that it is it's affecting between you and that person. Um and then to do it in a loving way that uh it's interesting that yeah, you know, Christian in your world, Christian people when they have to give, it's just done in a more gracious, gentle way and there's ways to do that like mm-hmm. but I think it's good to ask yourself those questions before you go, okay? Yeah. Like and I, th- I think it's not just good from a like practical worldly standpoint. I think it's a biblical thing to do. Right? Yeah, totally. So even uh, Proverbs 13, uh, verse 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves life. Uh, who, he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin, right? So, I mean, we've... <laughs> well, even in James, be slow to speak yep. and quick to listen. Yeah. So, and I think we see that even, in, even within the church context, because this is a church, uh, podcast about Christian life. The people that experience something on a Sunday and are instantly mad about it and instantly do something about it usually cause way more of a stir up than need be. And the the issue very rarely actually gets resolved in a great way because it's just emotional boom, boom, yeah. boom. Rather than I'm going to go home and think about it and pray and, about it. Yeah. And then on Monday, I'm going to come in and just say like, okay, this bothered me. Can you help me figure this out? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think on the receiving end and I've been, uh, bad at this sometimes too like on the receiving end to not automatically put up your like how dare you i'm gonna be all defensive it's like yeah to weigh what they're saying okay um and then to consider it but then also to if it really isn't like uh you know i'll just yeah me wearing a collared shirt okay that has okay thank you Mm -hmm. but then you don't feel like that has nothing to do with my salvation or the gospel and okay it's a difference of opinion well thank you but yeah. You know and, and I think having a listening conversation, if the other party is willing, mm-hmm. can be helpful, right? Because if, if they're coming with critique, then obviously something has brought them to that point. Yeah. So to not put your guards up to be like, no, don't talk to me because you're wrong. I'm just going to do my life the mm-hmm. way I want to. Mm-hmm. But to like continue and encourage a conversation around it. Because what if it's something they're struggling with and thinking about? I mean, obviously they're talking to you about it, right? Yeah. So to, to try and ask questions, uh, to, to understand, but not just understand to respond and yeah. 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 But I think go to that person yourself. I think that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves about church culture is that we never, I shouldn't say never, we rarely go to the person like, you know, Coraline does something that upsets me. So then I'm going to go to Cameron and talk about it to him. No, go, go to that person. Yeah. Not saying that like, Hey, I can go to Cameron and be like, 
you know, for advice on how to deal with it. But it's like the Bible says, like, go to that individual. If Corlin did something that upset me, I need to go to him. Yeah. And I think if you do go to someone else, it should be, this is what I heard. This is how I'm hearing it. Am I off? Yeah. You know I mean? like, yeah. That's, it, that's good. Um, yeah. If you have a trusted person. Not yeah. like, can you believe what Corlin That's did? right. Yeah. That's the difference between like, you know, a good solid uh, relationship and gossip. Like yeah, church definitely. gossip yeah, is not like, we got to pray for Corlin because of this. Cause he yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm sharing a prayer request. Can you believe what Corlin right. did? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, for not having a question or a set topic, that went pretty good. Yeah. Episode Absolutely. 83. Um, hopefully that's helpful um, or interesting at least. Um, but if you do have questions in the future, please message them to us or text us or reach out. And we would love to answer the questions that you have. But this has been the North Peace Roundtable Podcast. Make sure you subscribe Smash We're, that like wherever button. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us a five-star review and we'll your your name will be entered in a draw to win... A crisp high five. A uh, high five. There you go. Passion translation. The passion <laughs> translation to burn to keep your house warm in the winter. <laughs> okay, we need to stop this before it goes off the rails. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>